All right, hour number two, the Pete Callender Show, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Those are the phone numbers. Right, sorry, those are the phone numbers if you want to weigh in. And Pete at thepetecallendershow.com, and that is Callender with a K, and then an A, and then an L. I-N-E-R. Okay, just to finish it off. Um, Frustration is rising among Democrats over their response so far to the Roe v. Wade decision. I'm kind of going to be bouncing around uh, between a couple different things. But they will all tie seamlessly together because I am a professional. Anyway, maybe I just get lucky. Just hours after the Supreme Court decision ending 50 years of abortion rights, President Biden outlined his ideal response, elect more Democrats. This is the story at the Washington Post by Yasmin Abutaleb Cleve Wootson, formerly of the Charlotte Observer, and Mariana Sotomayor. Biden said, this fall, Roe is a... They said, this fall, Roe is on the ballot. Personal freedoms are on the ballot. The right to privacy, liberty, equality, they're all on the ballot. He also said, by the way, that uh, the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade is somehow destabilizing the world. He, he made those comments today at the NATO summit, which is really weird because all of those countries have far more restrictive abortion laws than America does. I mean, is he that stupid or... Okay, I'll just stop right there. Um, A short distance away, House Democrats gathered on the steps of the U.S. Capitol to sing a heartfelt rendition of God Bless America to celebrate the passage of a modest gun control bill, a moment that felt tone deaf to many Democrats given the judicial bombshell that had just landed. Was it did it feel tone deaf to many Democrats or did it feel tone deaf to you, many journalists, right? But I repeat myself. I I highlight that sentence and these words so you are aware of these things when you hear them and read them. When reporters use these terms, many Democrats, we all know what that means. It means I'm not going to go talk to anybody to get that opinion, to put it in the paper, to put it in the story. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say many. I'm not going to count them. I'm not going to see, you know, if there's a a proportionate number or anything. No, no, no. I'm just going to go to the socialists that are trying to take over the Democrat Party. The Democratic Socialists, right? Those folks. Cori Bush, AOC, Elizabeth Warren, right? We're going to those folks and we're going to ask them, what do we need to do? Because, you know, they're the ones, they they play the role of the John McCain, the guy who gets the fire in the, the late John McCain. Um who would get the fire in the belly taken on his own party, right? That scene, yeah, I'm a maverick, you know? That was when people, uh, uh, Democrats and the media, that's when they liked John McCain, is whenever he would attack Republicans, they liked him. When he ran for president, not so much. To an increasingly vocal group of frustrated Democrats, activists, and even members of Congress, such responses by party leaders have been strikingly inadequate to meet a moment of crisis They criticize the notion that it's on voters to turn out in November when they say Democrats are unwilling to push boundaries and upend the system in defense of hard-won civil liberties. 
you're not radical enough. That's what they're saying. You're not radical enough, which is why I suspect we're getting the stories now and the the flirtations with blowing up the filibuster again, right? We're hearing this from the president. We're hearing this from uh, Senate leaders again. Didn't we just go through all of this mansion and cinema and they said, no, we're not, we're, we're not going to do that? Uh, this will just be for uh, abortion uh, uh, rights. That's all. We, we're going to blow up the filibuster just for the moment when we can codify Roe v. Wade. It's almost as if they haven't learned anything at all. The last time they did this, they blew up the judicial filibuster, right? It was only for judges. That's all. We're just doing this because we want to clear up the log jam, right? Which meant stacking lots and lots and lots of Democrats into uh, judicial vacancies. So they, they wanted uh, to make it easier to do that. And uh, they blew up the filibuster to do it. And then the Republicans got in control (laughs) and they did it, too. And now you have a 6-3 conservative majority on the U.S. Supreme Court. That, as I understand it, you Democrats are not very happy with some of the things they've done. And that's why when the Roe v. Wade or sorry, the, uh, the Dobbs case, the decision came down the other day. Do you remember if you were listening? Do you remember who I thanked? The two people I thanked first, number one, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, because she refused to retire and because she died in uh, in office or in uh, her position, uh, then Trump got to make that appointment. Ruth Bader Ginsburg and number two, Harry Reid for blowing up the filibuster. And now here we have Democrats again saying we need to blow up the filibuster and pack the Supreme Court. We need to pack the court, which means a little bit of a history lesson for you guys. Packing the court means adding more seats and then putting your people in those open seats. That's the that's what the definition of packing the court is. It doesn't mean filling vacancies. You know, I didn't say that Democrats packed all those courts. I said they stacked those courts, not packed because court packing is a historical term used when FDR You know, another big government Democrat who tried to threaten the Supreme Court and did actually threaten the U.S. Supreme Court with his court packing scheme to expand the size of the court so it would rule as constitutional all of the unconstitutional things that FDR wanted to do. And here we are, right, almost 100 years later, and we've got a massive federal government thanks to FDR who threatened the Supreme Court with court packing. And here we are again. Democrats want to threaten the Supreme Court with packing the court with more people. Why? They want to try to get their agenda passed without having to do the work of persuading voters, persuading lawmakers in the body where it's supposed to be done, which is the legislature, Congress. That's where you're supposed to make law. But they can't convince enough people that their way is the preferred way. And so they try to do end runs around the law. That's what all of this is about. And so now what in the in the wake of Dobbs, what are we hearing? More of the same, more of the same.
That's Jet. All right, News Talk 1110-993, WBT. Got a lot of leftists very mad. Oh, so mad. Mad, mad, mad. At, well, yes, the Republicans, but also Democrats, because they're just not blowing up the institutions of our society fast enough. My God, don't you know democracy is is hang, hanging in the balance here? It's on the line. We're not going to be a democracy anymore. And that's why they're funding Super ultra, what's the, is that ultra, ultra MAGA? What's the other one? Dark MAGA? Is that the other one? I've, I forgot. It's like, yeah, it's like the varieties of, uh, of a brew pub. But um, th- they're literally funding these candidates. You've heard this story, I'm sure, by now. I, well, I mentioned it, I think, a couple weeks ago. You've got Democrats raising money and funding the most hardcore Trumpiest candidates in Republican primaries around America. That's what they think of the threat to the democracy. When they say Trumpism is a threat to democracy, that's really what they think of the threat, that they are willing to fund those candidates and run the risk that these threats will get into office. It's kind of like Al Gore with the climate change stuff. And then you see his house, the spread that he has. And oh my gosh, the size of the the carbon footprint there. It's kind of like the folks who fly in on private jets to talk about all of the emissions that are being emitted all over the place. Except from their jets, of course. They're, because they, well, I'm sure they did a carbon transfer offset something or other, you know. See how they live. Right when when the Obamas buy the oceanfront property, I'm kind of not going to believe them when they say that our coastlines are going to be flooded in five years. I don't believe you. Why would you buy that million dollar house on the coast? Your actions speak louder than words. There's a reason that cliche exists. So Washington Post has three reporters working on this story that basically is uh, just quoting Cori Bush and uh, Elizabeth Warren and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in public comments where they say, why aren't the Democrats willing to blow up the, uh, the Supreme Court, uh, add more seats, destroy the filibuster? We just need to govern like tyrants here in order to save democracy. Why won't Democrats do this? Right? To an increasingly vocal group of frustrated Democrats, activists, and even members of Congress, party leaders' response to the Dobbs case and uh, these others are strikingly inadequate to meet the moment of crisis. They criticize the notion that it's on voters to turn out in November when they say Democrats are unwilling to push boundaries and upend the system in defense of hard-won civil liberties. Quote, we have some Democrats that are doing the opposite, you know, they just aren't fighting, said Cory Bush. Democrat from Missouri, when people see that, what's going to make them show up to vote? We can't just tell people, well, just vote, vote your problems away, because they're looking at us and saying, well, we already voted for you. Right, so here's the problem. You haven't persuaded enough people that you are correct. It's not just about the voting. This is part of the problem. There was a, I saw this video yesterday, some leftist guy just losing his mind. Not at the Republicans. He starts off by saying, like, 
We already know who the Republicans are. We hate them. They're terrible. But they are who they are. And he then turns around and rips into the Democrats over the barrage of fundraising emails. And I, dude, I feel your pain. I get emails almost every hour from some Democrat all day long, every hour, all day long from some Democrat, local, state, national. They just keep coming. Hey, can you can you give me like a one dollar? Hey, it's uh, hey, today is uh, June 30th. So how about you give me six dollars and 30 cents and we'll hit our fundraising goal. We really need you. And then, of course, when the Supreme Court rulings come down, they use those rulings in order to fundraise, 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 email, 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 constant barrage of it. And this guy just flips out on these Democrat leaders because he starts reading through their net worth. Warner, Pelosi, right? millionaires, multi-multi-millionaires. Feinstein, who he said doesn't even know where she is. <laughs> he says, hey, Pelosi, you're worth, I think he said whatever it was, 18 or $180 million, whatever it was. Maybe you should hire a driver for your husband. Oh, that's terrible. Is that too soon? Too soon. But he was, he. what his argument was, like, you guys keep asking us for all of the fundraising that's all you're doing in response to these rulings. He wants them to do more. He says, what's the plan? What's been the plan? We got the leaked Dobbs ruling five weeks ago, he says. And what has been the strategy to respond? Email fundraisings? Uh, fundraising emails? That's it? That's all you have sent down? That's your big plan? Oh, he was so funny. Total leftist. Progressive lawmakers, including Warren and Cortez, have outlined several actions they want to see Democrats embrace building abortion clinics on federal land, which to me, like you're talking about putting abortion clinics at Yellowstone uh, or maybe on the Blue Ridge Parkway or something. Right. Uh, Hello. Those those national parks are already congested. They already have a lot of people driving through them. I don't think Gaia Earth is going to appreciate that. See, again, actions, words, right? You're going to have everybody pile into their cars to go see uh, Blue Ridge Parkway, go see the sites and get some abortions. And um, they're all just going to add more people onto the roads. Of course, then you're going to have the protesters that are out there and they're going to drive there. So you're actually going to add more emissions to the planet trying to kill us all, which actually does kind of line up with the abortion topic. Hmm. Why are they trying to save the planet? News Talk 1110-993-WBT-704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Also, Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. All righty, so the progressives, very, very mad. Senator Warren, big mad at uh, Biden for not declaring a national medical emergency over abortion. That's what she... That's what she's proposing. There should be a national medical emergency. And she said the administration could establish Planned Parenthood outposts on the edge of national parks. <laughs> um, 
That would, of course, violate the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits the use of federal funds for abortion, except if a pregnant person's... It is the Washington Post article I'm reading here, so they can't call them women. They call them pregnant persons. The Hyde Amendment prohibits the use of federal funds for abortion, except if a pregnant person's life is in danger or if the pregnancy results from rape or incest. Some activists acknowledge that Joe Biden's ability to act is limited. Only Congress can codify abortion rights nationwide. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is this new information? Only Congress can write laws? This is nuts. Who who is advancing this craziness? In the Senate, the filibuster requires 60 votes to pass almost all legislation, and right now it's split 50-50 between the parties. But many abortion rights supporters say Republicans have routinely broken the rules in recent years and benefited enormously from it. For example, by blocking President Barack Obama's Supreme Court pick. Oh my gosh, these people. They are still on this thing. And I understand why. But even if you got Merrick Garland, guys, even if you, you know, peace be upon him, even if you got Merrick Garland, you still wouldn't have a majority. Unless, of course, you think that John Roberts would, you know, flip back and forth here. Roberts would be the swing. But here's the other thing, too. That was the Biden standard. This has become such a, a talking point. This is how narratives get crafted and calcify when you have the amplification mechanisms of the legacy media outlets. Right? That's what I always say. It's, it must be great to be a Democrat. You just, you just say wrong things. You just make up lies, make up stuff. And then the politifactors come behind you and, and give the seal of approval. I mean, Joe Biden is still out there talking about uh, how you know we have one of the lowest inflation rates in the world, and we do not. We do not. He, he keeps talking about, oh, it's, you know, the gas price is all because of Putin, and it is not. And he doesn't get, he doesn't get called out for that by the reporters. There's not this constant hammering away, and they don't have, like, the lie count for Joe Biden. No, no, all of those things are reserved for Republicans. At, this, at the state level, we saw the same thing with McCrory when he became governor, and they put uh, what do they call it at WRAL? I think they call it the promise tracker or something like that. And so they could out, they could detail for you every promise that Pat McCrory broke. And then, of course, Cooper wins. And what do they do? They change it to the Coop-O-Meter. They rebrand it to the Coop-O-Meter. And then they just gave up on it altogether. I'm sure it had to do with the web hits because they weren't getting the rage clicks from the leftists that they cater to. Anyway. This narrative that the Republicans acted outside of the norms. No, the Biden rule was what they followed, right? That's what they said. That's how That's how you got Souter. Anyway. Then they have a quote from William Barber. <laughs> Reverend William Barber, he of the Moral Monday movement in North Carolina. He said, quote, we are dealing with one side that is undermining the very essence of what it means to be a country that roots itself in this philosophy of equal protection under the law. I'm not really sure exactly how, but again, 
One of the benefits of being a leftist is that you don't have to explain. You don't have to offer up the rationale and justification for the position you have uh, asserted. He says you cannot battle that if folks on the other side are always moderating, modulating, and compromising. It's not the age we are in. This moonbat thinks that the Democrats are always moderating, modulating, and compromising. Reverend Barber. He says, you fight a crisis until this crisis is over. You can't overreach when you're at the bottom. And these folks have taken us to the bottom. So in other words, what is he saying? Everything is justifiable. Everything that you want to do, do it because the ends justify the means. He truly is a man of God. Right? Truly is. I mean, that is right from the Bible, if I recall correctly. Do whatever you got to do in order to do what you think is right. Right? I think, yeah, I think Christ talked about that all the time, really. Like every single, every single speech he gave, every single parable he told, all of it, right? If Biden pursued aggressive executive actions to expand abortion, and by the way, keep this in mind, Barber is saying this in response to letting states decide on abortion law. And lest we forget what abortion is, it's the taking of the baby's life. So Reverend Barber, the man of God he is, says do whatever you need to do. Upend all institutional and societal norms. Just blow them all up if it means we get to kill more babies. Truly a man of God, that Reverend Barber. Gosh, he doesn't disappoint. If Biden pursued aggressive executive actions to expand abortion access, even if those moves were ultimately overturned by a court. It would energize supporters and signal to voters that Democrats are putting up a fight, advocates say. Unnamed. But what does he actually, what are these three reporters, what are they saying? Do this illegal thing for political red meat? To, to, to activate and motivate the base, to get the activists fired up, do these things that we know are not legal. It's okay if the courts overturn them as long as it drives turnout. That's what they're saying. And then, of course, they're crediting, uh, crediting advocates, unnamed, unidentified, just the people out there that say this is what should happen. We don't want to name them, but, you know, we'll amplify their message. Because we kind of believe it, too. That would be really cool. Get everybody worked up. That's the, way to, that's the way to get the base inspired. Do some stuff that's not allowed. And then you wonder why folks on the right, you wonder why they point to things like you did in North Carolina, for example, with changing all the election laws, doing end runs around laws in order to advance your agenda. And you wonder why we don't have any faith that you're, that, that you're approaching these uh, policies from an honest position that you're not doing these things in order to make sure everybody gets to vote during COVID. No, no, you're doing them to usurp a process to, you know, rig elections. That's where this comes from. That's where this distrust comes from. I also find it interesting that they think that they are unilaterally disarming, which is what the right thinks also. News Talk 
WBT. Tom Giovanetti from the Institute for Policy Innovation. He's the president down in uh, Texas of the IPI. He tweeted out that the left is furious that the Supreme Court is retreating from being a policymaking entity. But he points out the Supreme Court is not supposed to be a policymaking entity. Refocus on the legislatures. You know, the, the reason why uh, the reason why the focus is on D.C. is because you can do one uh, offensive, you know, lobbying and, you know, f- forcing through either via you know, bureaucratic fiat or uh, executive actions or whatever. You go to one place, you devote all your resources to that one place to enact whatever these rules are your agenda needs, and uh, and then you don't have to go to every individual state and make the cases to all of the states because that's hard. It's more expensive, right? This is why I, I, I am a federalist. I like the idea of every state having its own center of power. It's way easier to go up the road to Raleigh than to go all the way to D.C., and imagine what it's like for people, you know, on the other side of the country. So we get this story by three different Washington Post reporters, all contributing. Mariana Sotomayor, Yasmin Abu Taleb, and Cleve Wootson Jr. Cleve used to work for uh, the McClatchy Papers, and um, he's now at the Washington Post. I got to believe uh, that uh, Cleve is the, uh, he's the contact man for Reverend Barber, because he was down here uh, when all of that was going on. Uh, And now they are both, they both went national. So a growing number of liberals say that unless Democratic lawmakers show a willingness to adopt more creative ways of pushing their uh, agenda through, their most loyal voters will have little reason to turn out in the midterm congressional elections. There is the, you see this a lot of times where the Washington Post or other media outlets like this will, uh, they act as campaign consultants for the Democrats. Give them some advice. Now, if you guys you want to win back the base here, you're going to have to get a little bit more radical. But here's the thing. Most Americans, when it comes to, and this is the abortion issue because this is what the Supreme Court had ruled and this is what prompted the, uh, the response here from the Washington Post. But most Americans are actually moderates, especially on the abortion issue. Milan Singh who is an intern over at slowboring.com, um, and that is Matt Iglesias' Substack, I believe, um, or his, oh yeah, it's his newsletter. Matt Iglesias is one of the founders of Vox.com, along with Ezra Klein. He's a lefty, okay? Although, nowadays, some of the things he says sound downright conservative. It's pretty amazing. But um, this is his intern. Matt's on vacation. So uh, the intern writes... Uh, that he's been thinking about uh, something that my 10th grade U.S. history teacher, Mr. Landwer, 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 anyway, uh, he would tell our class all the time that most Americans are moderates. When you ask people to describe their ideology, the vast majority of them say they are either moderate or conservative. Did you know that? They say most people, the vast majority say moderate or conservative. And that's been the case for a very long time. And moderates and conservatives outnumber liberals in every state. Did you know that? Every state. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Conservative, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 36%. Moderate, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 37%. And liberal, self-identified, 25%.
It is worth noting that moderate does not necessarily mean holding centrist opinions, though, right? It doesn't actually make you a moderate. In fact, it's more often the case that moderates hold a mix of left and right wing ideas, such as somebody who opposes gun control, but also supports raising the minimum wage. And voters often hold inconsistent views. For example, the polling indicates that a strong majority of Americans oppose overturning Roe v. Wade, but majorities are uh, also in favor of banning abortion after the first trimester, which was not allowed under Roe v. Wade. Which is why the polling, which is why I went over it a week ago, the polling that WRAL put out is crap. Because you don't tell people what the rules are and what the what the, the Dobbs case actually did. You just say, should you over, uh, overturn Roe v. Wade? Do you approve or disapprove? And people are like, oh, oh I disapprove. But then you ask them, do you want to, you know, have abortions after the first trimester? And 55% say no. And 70-something percent say no for the third trimester. But they don't include that information. Political scientist James Stimson argued that Americans are symbolically conservative, but operationally liberal. What that means is, if you ask people questions about big picture values, about like, what is the ideal size of government or uh, support for traditional values, right? You ask them these types of questions, most Americans will pick the conservative option. But if you ask people about specific issues like, hey, should we expand Medicaid? They picked the liberal option. Yeah. Oh, by the way, more than a million people have switched their party registration to Republican. <laughs> a political shift is beginning to take hold across the U.S. as tens of thousands of suburban swing voters who helped fuel the Democrats' gains in recent years are now re-registering as... Republicans, more than a million across 43 states. That might be a problem, guys. I want to look into that, Democrats.